Welcome back, everybody, to the Culture Base Podcast. I'm Dustin. He's Blake. And we're back with episode 31. It is already almost halfway through February at this point, mm-hmm. which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, 2023 just started. That's yeah. where I'm at mentally. It did not, so, though. It's not. It's not. Actually, 2024 just started mm. six weeks ago. But uh, hey, so last week, Blake, we talked uh, about some pessimists, and we're going to kind of recap that in a second. But this week, we're going to talk about skeptics and critics and ideal culture. And I think we'll we'll discover, as we kind of hinted to last week as well, that there's going to be some benefits to having these people on your team that we may not have expected before. But before we get into that, I want to remind you at the culture base that we're here to help leaders know what they're about, show where they're going and build scalable teams to get them there. Um, If you're listening to this on audio podcast platform, we're glad that you're here. We'd love for you to um, rate and review this podcast. Leave a five-star review would be really super helpful. Um, If you're watching this on Instagram, hello there. So glad to see you. My camera angle is different this week because my camera decided to have a mind of its own today and just shut her down. He goes, you know what? I'm not Monday and today. None of that. (laughs) So instead, get my good old MacBook webcam. Mm. We're all about quality here. So we're just wanting to make sure. (laughs) Audio is all that matters, apparently. I mean, that's 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 how that's what they say. But I think you're missing out if you're not watching on YouTube. Um, so there's a lot of visual aids, a lot of, uh, waving of the hands, a lot of facial expressions. You're missing all of that. If you're not watching us on YouTube and you can, find, if you are watching us on YouTube, we're so glad that you're there. We'd love for you to hit the thumbs up button to like this episode, subscribe to our channel and ring the bell so that every time we drop new content, you are notified of that. Um, want to remind you as well that you can find us on social media. Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of those at the culture base, B-A-S-E. Uh, or you can uh, dig in a little bit deeper at theculturebase.com. And while you're there, click on the free 30-minute strategy session button. If there's anything that we're talking about in any of these episodes or any content that we're dropping on our social media channels, that interests you or feels like it would give you an opportunity to uh, develop a scalable team, then we would love to chat with you about that. Come alongside you and your team and make you the hero. All right, let's get into today's episode, Skeptics and Critics in an Ideal Culture. Blake, many of us spend a good amount of energy dodging negative people. I know I do, mostly because I historically have been a negative person and many people try to dodge me. I'm just kidding. That's mostly true. I'm just being vulnerable today. Uh, but including skeptics and critics, you know, we try to dodge those people, I think, a lot of times in our life and in our workplace. But in a world where things are constantly evolving and standards are changing, why would we not pause for a moment to exercise some healthy questions? I think it's worth uh, asking that question to ourselves. So last week, Blake, we talked about pessim- pessimism. I don't know why I struggle so hard to say that, uh, I'm, but I'm going to try to be optimistic about it. Mm. You see what I did there? Okay. We're having a good time. Last week, we discussed pessimism, and that is a tendency to see the worst aspect of things or believe that the worst will happen. It's a lack of hope or confidence in the future. And so if you missed that episode, that would be episode 30. would uh, encourage you to go back and listen to that before we dive in too deep today because we're going to kind of play off a little bit of the things that we talked about last week. But going into this week, I thought it would be 
um, apropos. Whoa. Like that. Of us. <laughs> to uh, kind of define what the difference is between what we talked about last week of pessimists and skeptics and critics. And so skepticism is uh, doubting the good in a situation. I put emphasis on our show notes on the word doubts because it's not believing, right? It's just a doubt. It's just a, hey, just want to want to raise a flag here. I'm not sure about this. Some uncertainty there, right? Whereas criticism goes a step further uh, and verbalizes the bad in the situation, uh, outweighing the good, uh, and goes on and on about the bad. And so skeptics and critics, I think we all have them on our teams. Um, They're they're always going to be around. And so what we want to talk about today is kind of how to identify the skeptics and critics and then ways to harness them uh, for good in your organization. So I was telling Blake before we got started that I ran across this news story this week from the Dallas Cowboys, which if you know me, you know how much I loathe the Dallas <laughs> Cowboys. So any chance I get to criticize them, see what I said? Criticize? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to use it. But actually, this is really good. So Micah Parsons, if you don't know football, he is a linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. And like everyone else, he has a podcast too. I assume you listening to this also have a podcast, and we would love to know about it. <laughs> so, uh, Micah Parsons has a has a podcast called The Edge. It's on the Bleacher Report uh, platform. Um, and last week during the Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl week, he had one of his teammates on there, CD Lamb. Now, side note: what I love about CD Lamb, besides the fact that he won my fantasy league for me this year, is that his name is not like the, I always thought it was just C dot D dot like it was just initials for something like his name is Charles David Lamb or something and people just go oh just call me CD but it's not it's C E E D E E which just warms my heart that's respect because, right because when I was a kid growing up in southeast Virginia when we transitioned from cassette tapes into the next realm of audio listening. Everyone where I grew up pronounced it CD. Very similar to the way CD Lamb. CD. CD. You know what I mean? Like it's very, a lot of E emphasis. CD. Uh, anyway, that's a side note. It means nothing to the story. But this is what happened. So. Uh, there's an article released about this podcast episode because Micah Parsons basically says, hey, we need to work on the culture of our team if we're going to be successful going forward, which obviously was like a, a, a perk of my ear to go, oh, team culture. We talk about that on the culture based podcast. So I want to lean in a little bit here. And so he kind of kept it real surface level and then uh about 45 minutes into the podcast or so cd looks at him and says well what do, what do you feel that we need to do as a team as a unit lamb asked uh you said we've got to get over this hump so how do we do that and michael parsons says this he says for me we've got to establish our culture we've got to identify our captains early in the season that stood out to me identify mm-hmm. right He said, we need to paint a better picture of who we want to be. Mm. He said, we need to fix our mistakes. I want to just pause there for a second. He said, paint a better picture of who we want to be and fix our mistakes. See, skeptics, as we'll discover later, Blake, 
they're really good at fixing mistakes, I think. Mm-hmm. Critics, not so much. He goes on to say people need to have way more accountability. I just think we let things slide too often because we know we're good. Mm. We've talked about that before too, right? Resting on our laurels. And he'll come back to talk about that here in just a second. Says the three-year veteran has an interesting point about team captains. Head coach Mike McCarthy traditionally elects uh, new game day captains each week during the regular season. So it's constantly changing, right? (laughs) Uh, while it's a way for more players to step up and share in their leadership role, it may also be contributing factors as to why any sort of clear-cut team identity can be uh, can often be so difficult to pin down in the locker room. Parsons also hinted at a tendency for the Cowboys to coast on their reputation when things are going well. I would love your immediate uh, response to this, Blake, and in uh, retro or in in light of what we're going to talk about here today. Yeah. Yeah. There are two things stood out to me. One, definitely the whole thing you were talking about or that he mentioned about how the captains keep changing. Like there's no consistency and so much of building a good team culture has to do with consistency and roles and responsibilities and knowing where to look immediately. And it, I, I love the idea of developing leaders but developing leaders is not giving them a hundred percent leadership and saying, run with it. Let's see what happens here. It's saying you want to be a leader, keep working until you are that leader. And then we'll give you the title or whatever. But to me, they're, they're leaning on the idea of positional leadership being the thing that pushes leadership and positional leadership, which says I'm this position there ergo, you need to listen to me and follow me that doesn't fly. Like that's not permission-based leadership and permission-based leadership. And obviously these are John Maxwell's terms here, but position-based leadership says, Hey, I want to follow that person because they've earned my trust. They've developed a rapport with me. They know how to work on me to help me get better. Um, I want to follow them because they're working their tail off and I want to be just like that. Right? Like, so there's so much there. Uh, But the bigger thing I think that stood out to me was and I didn't, I don't even think I've seen it until right now that criticism and ego are hand in hand here. And that ego and like is the thing that will define a critic because they're doing it to say something, to earn a respect or a picture or a presentation of who they are. Therefore their ego is really important. Whereas a skeptic is different, you know, and and we'll get into this more, but I think a skeptic, can put ego down and care about the bigger idea. Whereas the cynic says, no, I am the bigger idea. Mm. Mm. That's so good. Uh, yeah. I think critic, we, I think we would agree that criticism is fine. Right. But it's the sure. critics that only live in a critical world and they tend to also be pessimists. I think that we want, ultimately on in our organizations we want to surround ourselves with people who can not only identify problems but equally expound the same amount of energy to resolve them and so today uh blake what we're going to get into is uh two things we're going to talk about how to spot skeptics and critics and then we're going to talk about um ways to empower them as well and so why don't you get us started, Blake, on some ways that we can start to spot some of these uh, skeptics and critics? Yeah. 
So one thing I think before we even jump to those things that maybe is going to simplify the idea of critics and skeptics here is the idea of talking the talk and walking the walk. Critics just talk the talk, right? It's just the, the vocalizations. Criticism is just a vocalization of an idea, but critics are only about the talk. Skeptics are about the idea of taking that criticism and bringing, bringing it to something else that is walking the talk, right? And walking the walk. So ways to spot skepticism and criticism, okay? Um, skeptics tend to base their belief on evidence and critical thinking. Pessimists or critics are going to focus more on negative outcomes without necessarily critically evaluating anything. So they're, they're not thinking like, what's the real evidence here? They just, again, if you think about this through the filter of ego, no, nah, I disagree with that. No, this isn't going to work. This is why. Or, or they won't even have it. This is why. We tried that in the past. You know, they'll, they'll just throw words around and phrases around that seem, and this is maybe be a an evidence of critics, they talk very absolute. Hmm. You know, absolute, they're, the older I get, and Dustin, I don't know if you can attest to this, the older I get, the less absolute things I think are out there. You yeah. know, like there is, there's just so much evidence of like, well, yeah, that's maybe not as black and white as I thought. Maybe this is more gray. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying that this is some postmodern perspective where I don't think there are absolutes in the world. I do. I'm just saying I think there are far less and critics are going to only speak in absolutes because they want just this black and white world without putting any of the work in to, to figure out if it's a black or white thing. Yeah, I think uh, as you were as you were saying that I, I was kind of thinking, yeah, of course, me too. I, I definitely feel like the older I get, the more gray things are. And you can't you can't use phrases like always or never, you know, kind of deal. I think, though, what a mistake that we make at least here in uh you know in in western society is that we are raised very black and white mm-hmm. i'm not talking about race or color I'm, I'm talking about like we're raised a very clear line of this is right and this is wrong mm-hmm. um and obviously i think that that is softening a bit uh here maybe even to the detriment sometimes I'm not going to get into that, but I do, I do think that we don't empower critical thinking enough, uh, in our kids and in the next generation. And so it's when, when they are, when they're faced up against these things, oh, well, that's wrong. Well, mm-hmm. why is it wrong? Oh, because it just is, mm-hmm. you know, or that's the right way to do it. Well, why is that the right way to do it? Because that's the way I've always done it. Yeah. Yeah. Very that feeling based too. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not, that's no way to lead. Uh You know, I mean, how many times have we sat under a leader? I know you and I both have before Blake sat under a leader that says they don't like something and we go, okay, not a problem. What don't you like about it? I don't know. Just don't like it. Yep. It's like, well, that's not critical thinking (laughs) at all. And that doesn't help those that you're leading at all either. So yeah, I totally get there's, there's no, I'm not saying there's no, there's a whole lot less gray than what we were raised to believe. Yeah. Yep. I think another thing with spotting the difference between skeptics and critics is the, their openness to new, new ideas or new perspectives or new solutions. Like skeptics 
are definitely open to considering new ideas, but they're going to require some convincing evidence, right? Like they're going to need to see the, the idea of new is not like necessarily natural to them. So I to both critics and skeptics, they don't like it. Right. So, um, but they're open to it as long as there's evidence and uh, maybe time for them to believe it. Right. So I think the word trust and with skeptics is really important. So the idea to get to a point of trust where they're like, you know what, I see it now, I see that it worked, and I see that it's worked over time, I trust it. Pessimists, they're going to live on the cognitive bias that this new thing isn't going to work, and every little thing that happens, they're going to be like, see, I told you, even if it's completely contrary and showing the thing that is actually working, they're just going to be like, no, it doesn't work. And like, no, we just scored. And they're like, no, 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 but it wasn't a good score. Like, what? <laughs> like, I don't care how ugly it is. That they care how ugly it is. They care whether they were right or they were wrong. And if they finally get proven that they were wrong, what do they do? They protect their ego and say, well, you know, everyone could be wrong sometime. You know, <laughs> we're all human. Gosh, like you, you know, people who have said this. We've been people who have said this, right? Yeah. Yeah. They just. We, we laugh about it because we look back at 10 year old us who was that way. And some people just don't get past that 10 year old us because their ego is so important because yeah. they have to be right. And the idea of new, these new ideas, like they're just going to dismiss them without any consideration. And those are, those aren't team players. You got anything on that? No, I just, I, it always warms my heart when you use cognitive bias. <laughs> Or really cognitive anything. I know it's cognitive dissonance is like your tombstone phrase, yeah. but I just love it. That's all. <laughs> I totally agree with what you're saying. Continue. Oh, <laughs> good. So kind of kind of staying on that same area, like going towards the idea of change. So those are more like new ideas, but like when we're changing something, skeptics are definitely going to be cautious. They're going to want to understand the implications before they embrace it. It's really hard for optimists. Skeptics and critics will look the same if you don't spot these things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important, especially because a, a lot of leaders tend to be extroverted. They tend to be very like visionary and you're going to see these people like sticks in the mud. But if you don't see that the skeptic is there to actually get the mud out of the way and pave a good path for the vision, you're going to miss out on the gold of skeptics. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think we're all leaders uh, have a tendency to be, uh, well, I don't really know any leaders that aren't extremely opinionated. Mm -hmm. You know, they have strong opinions about all the things, even if the opinion, even if they're like, this is a gray area, you know, it's they still have strong opinions. And I think what what force what we need to be careful of when we're when we're identifying these things because i think how to spot skeptics and critics is not just about looking outward but it's also about looking inward yeah uh as people that are leading your organization whether you're leading from the bottom the middle or the top it doesn't matter uh and so i think i think the the difference is 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 there a selfish ambition in your criticism mm. or in your skepticism I think a lot of times we're, we're, we can be skeptical or critical because we don't, we fear what we don't know mm -hmm. and we don't want to change or we have our preferences and quote the way we've always done it. Like we talked about last week, yep. we have those moments and we just go like, 
nah, it ain't broke. So, you know what I mean? Maybe it is broken or maybe it's not, maybe it's not that it's broken that you're, that you're criticizing and kind of analyzing here. Maybe it's more so that it's just not weak enough to sustain our growth or sorry, it's just not strong enough to sustain our growth, that it's too weak to, to, to move us into the future. Right. It's the reason we see bridges repaired periodically, right? Yeah. It's the bridge is still working. It's yeah. still a bridge, but there was a skeptic that said, Hey, it's been 40 years. The earth has shimmied around quite a bit in the last 40 years. Maybe what say you, uh, go ahead on and replace that bridge. Yeah. Well, the bridge is fine. It's not yeah. falling down. Well, not exactly. right now. It's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, but we can get so like in our heads about the things and we can become such so territorial, yeah. I think. And I think that's the stuff that we need to watch out for, not only in ourselves, but in our team as well. Yeah. And when you, and we'll talk about ways to like empower the skeptic here in a minute. Um, but one thing I would say is they are, they're going to want to understand your skeptics are going to want to understand the implications of whatever this change is going to have on them, on their communication style, on how this, how their normal way of working is going to change. They're going to want to know these things. And if you don't, if you haven't thought about any of that, you're going to get a skeptic who's, who's ready to like lose it. And so one way to really take care of the skeptics who are going to help empower this change if they buy into it is by thinking through some of those things ahead of time. Okay, giving them res responses. Um, don't just get emotional. Oh, you just always say this. You're always ready to put a, you know, a hard stop or a hard no on this. Um, again, see that as a superpower and just say, hey, there are areas I haven't thought about and I need your help. And we'll talk about more of that here in a minute. But yeah, so thinking more about another way um, that to see the difference between skeptics and critics is thinking about solutions. Like this is one of the biggest parts that identify yeah. the difference between a skeptic and a critic is skeptics are solution oriented. They care for this stuff. Their whole first to say no and then to say okay, like has a lot to do with their care for the solutions. They're seeking practical ways to address concerns or uncertainties, whereas pessimists are just going to dwell on on problems without actively seeking solutions. OK, so they're just going to won't work, can't happen. No way. They are um, just that fixed mindset that they see no other possibility and they believe it. I think it's you know, we were saying earlier that this so much of a skeptic is emotional and so when they say no, they do believe it and they feel it hard in their, their soul. So when you've pushed back, they start fighting because they're in fire flight mode at that point. And I mean, I just, I, I think, and I don't want to give critics such a bad rep because I don't think that one is only a critic or only a skeptic. I think critics can, can go through the ashes and become skeptics. And I know I've been there. I remember one time I was in a, a group kind of brainstorm where we were talking about some stuff one time and someone said something and I was so quick to be like, you know what? I don't think I agree with that. 
And I didn't even have like substance. I just started off saying, I don't think I agree with that. And someone's response, I think, woke me up to be a skeptic. And so the person's response was, ah, go figure. And I was just like, oh, I do that a lot then. I go to that a lot. I go to, I don't agree with this before I even think about the funneling the situations. Like I've done it where I've said something and someone said to me at a whole nother time, they're like, hey, will you just hear me out first? And I was like, damn, I'm that way. And I need to not be that way. I need to let my ego take a blast, take a hit, feel the wound, heal in the right way and become a skeptic who hears and listens, okay? Because it isn't just introverts who are this way. It's extroverts too. It is it is the visionaries too. So it's. I think it is important to be able to see that, okay, critics can grow into skeptics and it's important that we help them get there. You have anything on that one? Uh, no, I was just going to ask you kind of leading into our next one, what it looks like when there's success. I think a lot of times when we're, when we're thinking about skeptics and pessimists and critics, we think a lot of, uh, kind of excuse we talked about already a little bit kind of excuse oriented responses Mm -hmm. to success. Um, so what is, so the thing is done, you've solved the problem you've got on the other end of it. Now you're in a room full of your, your, your kind of key team players in that situation, Blake, how, how can you identify who is playing what role in terms of skeptic, critic, pessimist? Yeah. So when it's, when there's success in something, skeptics are still going to be cautious about the success. Um, I think there are a lot of people who are like, we won, hooray. And we're just like unadulterated celebration, right? It's, it's the Super Bowl and your party. And, and I think a skeptic is still going to be cautious and they're going to still be like considering the potential factors that contributed to it. So you're like, okay, well, why was it successful? They love the postmortem, right? Like, well, what was successful? And hey, what was still not successful in this? And I think it's good to like- No such thing as perfect. Yeah, nothing's perfect. And I think the idea of if you're celebrating in a way that says we are perfect and we have no flaws, you're not going to get the skeptic to celebrate success with you. If you say- we're about progress, not perfection. And let's celebrate the aspects that did work pretty well. And let's learn from the things that still didn't so we can get better, right? Why did the Chiefs go back to back? I said the Chiefs. It is the Chiefs. Yeah, I can't say yeah. the Chiefs. How yeah. did the Chiefs go back to back? It's because they focused on the things that they did well, but then they also worked on the things that they didn't. I mean, why couldn't they just you know, roll on the coattails of last year winning it all because they know that what got them there last year won't get them there this year. And so they're constantly adjusting, constantly getting better. So um, I think that's where it is for skeptics. Pessimists, they're just going to downplay it, right? They're going to be the true stick in the mud. They're going to dismiss the success. They're going to look for reasons that it was actually a failure and we just got lucky. Yeah. You know, and and they're going to see luck as not, good enough. Right. And I'm, I'm okay with luck. I like getting lucky, you know, like there's, there's good stuff there to having happy little accidents, you know, as little Bob Ross would say. Yeah. Um, 
but they're just going to see it as all negative and are, are just going to bring the culture down. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think uh, it's time for us to kind of move into ways to empower the skeptic. Now, we're going to focus on empowering the skeptic and not the critic over this last little section here, because hopefully you've been able to um, synonymously identify uh, critics and pessimists kind of in the same category here. And and, uh, in terms of our conversation, for the sake of our conversation uh, last week and this week, that critics... Um, uh, tend to lean in, in that pessimist realm. Uh, and so what we're going to, what we really want to hone in on for the rest of our time with you today is to talk about how you can empower the skeptics and rather than uh, write them off is, is super important. And so to kick things off, I just want to say this, and we've kind of hit, hit on it a little bit already, but just to super like clarify simply boldly that for your skeptic, they have to be willing to not leave it at a judgmental statement. They have to be willing to do something about it. And so I think Blake's going to kind of uh, get us here in just a second into practically what that looks like. But I, I love this phrase. I heard it years ago back when I was living in Indiana. And I use it all the time, especially when people like to come to me and complain about things or to be skeptic about things or to be pessimists or critics about things. I'll say to them, I say, listen, in order for a change to happen, a change must be made, mm-hmm. which it sounds like, yeah, no, duh, obviously. But I think we get stuck like that stick in the mud reference that Blake has mentioned a couple times already. We get stuck into thinking that we can complain our way into a difference. We can complain our way into a change. But unless we're willing to change what's happening, whether it's from us, from those that we're leading, whatever, unless we're willing to make a change, no change will be made. So in order for a change to happen, turn, right? A change has to be made. So I think that's important to kind of as foundational groundwork for your skeptics if you can get them on board with that, then you've got yourself a really great skeptic. Yeah. Yeah. And so as, as we start to talk about all the things to help empower your skeptic, right? Like these are the things of like, Hey, know how, know about your skeptic, know the things that make them tick. Um, good skeptics are going to call out items that could be issues, but, and, and they are willing to go into the unknown and offer up suggestions for possible solutions. So the thing that I I like to do with skeptics is um, it's easy for skeptics to go critics because that's just kind of a quick natural tilt to go to the what's not working, the critical part of it. But in order to help your critic become a skeptic or to empower your skeptic to be a better skeptic, tell them to bring you one to three ideas for the solution. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, I need you. I, I know you've got stuff. I know you can see this this problem in a way not other people can see it because you're the one calling it out. Okay, you saw it, which is awesome. Bring me one to three solutions and bring me your favorite one. I'm, I'm going to ask you what your favorite solution is and what your suggestion is because I trust what you've got to say. But if all you're going to do is bring me the problem, I don't, I don't just need an alarm that is silent. I, you know, I, I, or one that just tells me there's something wrong. I need one that has a plan that brings me into a solution. So, 
uh, bring me one to three ideas for a solution. Let me know what your suggestion is. So for your, your skeptic here, ways to empower them, empower them is to provide evidence-based information. So whatever it is that you're bringing here, offer solid evidence and data to support the potential benefits of a certain solution or, or some course of action. Like skeptics are more likely to trust hmm. information that is backed by reliable evidence. If all you're doing is coming to your skeptic with rough ideas or visionary, like high in the sky stuff, they may not respond to it the way you need them to. Yeah. Sometimes if you're a heavy visionary, it's important to realize that you can do a lot of harm to your team by dreaming out loud. And that sounds like so that's not going to be a Dr. Seuss book ever, I promise. But there are times that like go find your people to dream with who can yeah. live in both of those worlds pretty, pretty well. Heavily skeptic critic people are criticism. People are going to be worn down by that information because they're trying to see how it affects them and how it affects the team and how it affects the, the normal wear and tear of a business. Yeah. We often talk about the things that, uh, or I often talk about with some of my coaching clients and, and, and the, and the world of creativity and brainstorming sessions and things like that, uh, that we need the skeptics in the creative process because they're going to want, they're going to be the ones that are going to poke the holes and see the things that we didn't see because our heads are so much uh, in, in the clouds that we, we, we need them to poke those, those holes where we yeah. don't need them is in that like initial brainstorm session. Yeah. They will ruin your brainstorm session mm -hmm. and they will be miserable. And everyone around in that, in that room will also be miserable, but where you really need them is that next uh, meeting where you're going to go, okay, we have all these ideas. Let's, let's really sift through the ones that we can actually pull off. Right. Yeah. That's where you really want your skeptics. I think something else you can do Blake to empower your skeptic is to encourage critical thinking. Mm -hmm. Like these people are already thinking critically in a sense. Right. So let's empower that critical thinking. Let's, let's, let's create this environment that celebrates critical thinking and puts that spin on it rather than a, a one that is constantly discouraged. It's the same way we talk about failure, right? We want to, we want to celebrate uh, an atmosphere of failure because we tried, right? If we didn't try, then there's no failure, which means we, there's nothing really to celebrate here. And so in the same way you, you want to take that skeptic or the skeptics on your team and you want to go, I see you are a person who has a great standard of evaluation. Mm -hmm. I would I would love to you I would love for you to really dig deep into this critical thinking uh, and help them critically evaluate information as it comes across their desk. Yeah, and very similar to that, I think think of your skeptics like your beta test. Okay, like you've already come up with the idea, you've looked at a lot of these things. Encourage them to experiment and test on small scale. So They're going to feel good about the idea that it's a small scale solution here. They're going to say, I'm going to gain evidence based information here, whether this work, what works, what doesn't work. Um, they are your beta group. Use them well. And they're going to feel ownership in this, too. They're going to feel like, oh, man, I just got a great opportunity for involvement here instead of being pushed aside all the time. Like I'm the person who's 
not useful. I'm just the stick in the mud. They're going to feel the sense of ownership and control, and it's going to increase their investment in finding a good solution. So I think it's really important as you're going through these things to address the concerns and the risks as you go through things for them. Again, this is empowering them. If you are already thinking ahead of time to help them, and you say, hey, here's some things we need to think about. We need to worry about this a little. We need to think about this concern. And here are some other risks. What other risks do you guys think? Oh, man, they're going to be like, okay, okay, good. Already there. I don't even have to waste my my brain power because they're, they're seeing this already. Now, let's get into it because they've already started on a path that I'm, I'm ready to get into. Mm-hmm. So that's so important, which kind of leads us to the very last thing. Lead by example. If you aren't willing to do it, skeptics aren't going to buy into it because they've been a part of organizations. They've been a part of teams where it was a very positional type of thing, like you were talking about with the Dallas Cowboys, potentially, right? Like it's very positional. Someone said to do it, weren't willing to be down in the mud themselves. Like we need to have that whole Simon Sinek leaders eat last kind of thing. And so meaning you got to get down into some of the problems to show them that you're not just throwing the the shit rolls downhill onto them, okay? Because yeah. they are the bloody knuckles, hard workers, minders and grinders. And if you just say, here's what we're gonna do, and now y'all gotta figure it out, good luck. Like, sure, there's great trust in your team there, but you're gonna build trustworthiness with the skeptics, which trust is so important with the skeptic. Think about that word alone, skeptic, they're skeptical. So what's the, what's the opposite? Trust, right? The idea of trusting someone. So if you can lead by example, they're going to trust. Hmm. Man, that's so good. That's so good. That's such a powerful word to end on too. I, I think that uh, trust is one of the biggest factors that will change your culture and change your ability to scale your team and scale your organization to new heights like never before. And so really, really lean into that. How can you cultivate an atmosphere of trust? Bring the skeptics in. I know it sounds backwards, but if you can harness that energy, you will build so much trust that you've never seen before. So that's our time for today. Next week, we're going to be back on episode 32. We're going to talk about defining your brand and how it's not what you think it is. Mm. Cannot wait to share that with you. Again, I want to remind you to check out theculturebase.com. Click on the free strategy session button. Anything that we're talking about, if you want to talk about your skeptics and critics and pessimists with us, we'd love to kind of help break down what that looks like for you and your organization. So go to theculturebase.com. Click on the free strategy session and let's get into it and see how we can help you build those scalable teams. Until then, we'll talk to you next time on the Culture Base Podcast.